Hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome to Seaweed Brain. Consider this like the finale of season one. We've got a couple episodes coming up after this, but let's consider this the big grand finale of our very first season here. Carter and I are really <laughs> excited today to read some of your thoughts that you have sent us. And on the second half of our show today, we are going to be joined by beautiful other fellow Percy Jackson podcasters from around the world. You know them, we know them. Let's hear their thoughts. <laughs> All right. So, hi, Carter. Hi. Did you want to take a moment also, actually, before we start reading these messages to do your disclaimer? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> this has been something that I've thought about saying for a few weeks, but I think it's time because um, Glenn Weldon of our very, very beloved oh. favorite um, pop culture happy hour included the show on what was making him happy for, I think, the past week. And I've already forgotten the name of the show. The Blood of Zeus. Blood of Zeus, yes. So there's the show on, on Netflix. It is produced by, made by, voiced by, like, a bunch of Greek people. I don't know if that's Greek nationals or members of the Greek diaspora. But it is being advertised on Netflix and referred to by many people as an anime for some reason. I genuinely don't understand. I went and I watched several episodes of the show, and I have to say for myself, not only do I think it's bad, but how is it an anime? Like, I, like by what standard? I genuinely don't understand. Maybe someone will have some something cute to message us about about why the show is actually an anime. Um, yeah. But I, I just have to say that, like, as much as I love and respect Glenn Welton, um, I, I found it... Brain denounces the blood of Zeus. <laughs> I found it a bad non-anime that looks like um, if someone, to me, took one computer-assisted drawing class and then tried to recreate Attack on Titan, but yeah. even whiter. Anyway... Yes. <laughs> I also haven't watched it because I've been buried deep in a veep bin lately. <laughs> um, I haven't watched Blood of Zeus yet, but it does look more to me like Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat um, than an anime. Yes, I agree. Cool. I'm sure some people who listen to us have watched it, so give us your thoughts. <laughs> and on that note... It's time for us to read the thoughts that you have given us. Thank you everyone so much for <laughs> responding to our cry for help on Twitter and Instagram and sending us some voice messages about your opinions that you have had and been keeping to yourself throughout these last 20 episodes of our podcast. We are just going to start diving in and reading some of them, maybe discussing some of them if it calls for discussion. So let's get started. I am going to go ahead and begin let's start with sally let's start okay. with sally a good place we love her so this is a message from at sunset underscore issues on instagram dm'd us and they said okay idk if anyone has said this before but i thought about this one day and i couldn't get it out of my head so in the first book right at the end we get the whole thing with poseidon giving medusa's head back to percy and percy offering to use it with gabe but then sally is all like quote i gotta figure this out myself make my own decisions end quote I like to think it's some kind of foreshadowing to the end when Percy is not the one to make the final decision after all. I really might be forcing something here, lol. Sorry about the big text, LMAO. Love you guys, BT Dubs. You are awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Aww. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> I replied, I've replied to like almost all of these on Instagram already, but I love this. I yeah. love that we are like shouting out Sally for teaching Percy about yielding way back in the first book. Yes. Doing some incredible parenting, saying, Percy, like, you are a hero, um, and you did all these amazing things, but it's going to be you giving this decision to me mm -hmm. to decide what I am going to do. Yeah. yeah. I think foreshadowing that later event with um, Luke in The Last Olympian. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the next one that we have queued up is from Kathy Joseph. They, they tell us, also, I agreed with how when Luke and Annabeth are having that awkward conversation as he is dying and i hate that it's really written so you could assume that annabeth is picking percy because he's alive if they have to change any part of the disney plus tv show i think that should be scripted to where annabeth tells luke he was a childhood crush and that she loves him but she's not in love with him i think that addresses their relationship a bit more and was how i saw it I think that's correct. I don't have anything to add to that. I think this is roughly, like, the consensus that we came to. Th there is something, like, a little, like, strange and, like, um, 
as they're noting, like, yeah, awkward about the fact that she's sort of just, like, brushing past it. When I think that they're, like, to their point, like, there is, like, a really natural, full-feeling resolution to, to this that she could have said rather than, yeah, what they did. Drinking in the fact that I was still here <laughs> and then making the decision. Yeah. Maybe we cut yes. that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> I'm glad we all got to really zone in on that terrible, terrible moment um, at the end of The Last Olympian. Oh, this is so, on the subject of Persiba, this really, I actually shared this one on the Instagram story, so some of you may have seen it already, but this is from at watch me in my seal study on Instagram. And they said, this is the second half of their message. Also, you guys thinking Annabeth taking the knife may mean she just quote knew where Percy's weak spot is because of her intuition might be true. But I like to think it's because she is the embodiment of his Achilles heel. Her getting stabbed rather than his actual weak spot shows how it would affect Percy in the same way. Annabeth dies equals Percy dies mentally, emotionally, IDK. She represents his life tethered to the mortal world. She is his weak spot. Yes, 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 yes. I love this. I hadn't considered this before. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. We talked about how like Ethan, Ethan being this child of nemesis, like gave him the ability to know, quote unquote, where Percy's weak spot is. And that would apply here as well, that he like knew that stabbing Annabeth, you know, subconsciously would also destroy Percy. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Codependent and on each other. (laughs) Annabeth dies equals Percy dies, period. I agree. I'm very curious about Annabeth being fiscally conservative. (laughs) Okay, I really want you to read that one. I want go and read it right now. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's very short. It just says, um, this is from Camus? Camus? I don't know how to read this name. I'm sorry. But um the message is just Annabeth is a fiscally conservative Republican but a social libertarian. This hurt me. This um, (laughs) offended me. Um, But I feel like there is a version of Annabeth that you could imagine for yourself that is not, that is not in conflict with the text necessarily in which she is perhaps a country club Republican who maybe is not opposed to gay rights or something. I think that that's a little sad. This this is not a view I personally take for Annabeth. I think she's an intelligent structural thinker who would like to see some 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 reforms to the the yeah. corporate tax code. <laughs> you know. I think considering her dad is really into military history, also given like Athena's like questionable political views. That's right. Athena might be part of the military industrial complex, but also I think we should note that that part of Virginia, like the northwest or sorry, like the northern area that's like part of like, you know, like there's a lot of military people there. There's a lot of, like, these D.C.-affiliated people who don't actually want to live in the district. Like, those people now are all Democrats. They're not necessarily the leftist radicals, perhaps, but, like, they, they are Democrats now. So Virginia. <laughs> I, I could see... I, I don't think that the books give us enough, frankly, information about Annabeth's views on social policy. This hurts me. I think that's all I can say about this. This hurts me, and I am not going to personally accept it, but I cannot invalidate it either. Great. Thank you very, very much for that hot, hot take. Should we should we talk about Poseidon's parenting next, maybe? <laughs> this is, it looks like it says deep, hey, deep here. Just love, love, love your podcast all. And I almost listened to that <laughs> almost right after the release date. So I literally just finished Last Olympian Part 4. And what the flip? How could you guys miss that cute little Percy and Poseidon convo on Olympus? Like how many times have you seen a demigod hug their darn godly parent? I mean, I totally agree that Persebeth is the best love story, and I would love to write a thesis to rub it on anyone's face, but come on, that Poseidon moment was just so heartwarming. Not mentioning that is criminal. Could please just squeeze that part in somewhere in the next episode. Thanks. Keep the Rad Podcast going. Well, we squeezed it in on the next episode. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that to our attention. It's a good moment. Do I think that it excuses the terrible, horrible, awful parenting in the rest of the series from Poseidon? Nah. But like, yeah, good. I'm glad. They they have a lovely relationship at the end of the original series. It's very special. There is prolonged physical contact, which is new for them. (laughs) And let's acknowledge that. Perhaps not as close as Ethan's relationship with his mom, but (laughs) what could be. But we have one more thing to read and one more message to listen to or 
two messages to listen to, actually. Um, this is from an extended PDF that we were sent by our good, good friend, Blue, on um, Instagram. She's a very, very loyal listener. We love her very much. She sent us this whole PDF about Rachel Elizabeth Dare, and I cannot read the entire thing, but I will read a couple of these bullet points that she included. This is under the title, In My Defense of Percy and Rachel. Being with Rachel is easy. No longer does the fate of the world rest on Percy's shoulders. No longer is he the chosen one. No longer is he responsible for keeping up with Annabeth. In his relationship with Rachel, things are normal. They can watch movies together, go out places together, and be normal. We have to consider that this is a luxury Percy doesn't have with anyone else. Percy is literally Rachel's manic pixie dream boy, and I don't blame her. He is this hot exclamation point guy who represents a whole other world. He represents magic and adventure and in Percy's world, he can make a difference. He can fight, he's powerful and strong. And if I were Rachel and I met a hot, three exclamation points, guy who literally wielded a sword and showed me a whole new world, I too would want him. Bear with me for this one. Rachel reminds Percy of his mom, a mortal who can see through the mist, someone who doesn't want luxury or palaces and instead wants to forge her own path, someone who makes things easier on him, also rebellious in small ways. It probably reminds Percy of Sally. I'm going to end there because I can't slide past that. <laughs> you make a good point, Blue. Yes. I, we cannot disagree with this. Yes. Did my brain block yeah. out the possibility of this thought? Yes. I think we were all um, thinking it. I think we were, the, the mom comparison, it's there. I mean, as, as, as is noted in this note, there are some obvious discontinuities in that Sally is like, how do you say, um, not the child of one of Manhattan's like most wildly mega rich developers, but, but it's there. I think it's definitely there for us to all to acknowledge and note to have in the back of our heads as we approach our lives and um, the people that we um, interact with. <laughs> yes. After many more points, Blue writes, to conclude, I am Team Persebeth. I would say they are the greatest love story of all time, and if anything, Rachel's character dynamic only proves this further. Percy could have had cool girl easy relationship, and instead he chooses to acknowledge that Annabeth is his soulmate. In my Carter impression, she writes, as he should! <laughs> and then I am going to, quickly before everybody else pops on this call here, share two voice memos. This first one is from, well, actually, it's titled Guess Who Bitches, and turns out it's from our wonderful friend Jarrell uh, from The Lightning Thief Musical. This is the message. Remy the Ratatouille, the rat of all my dreams, we praise you, oh Ratatouille. Thank you. And that's the whole message. And I will be putting that on the internet. You said that to us as a joke. Too bad. There it goes. Disney is meeting right now, I know, to ta discuss the Ratatouille TikTok musical. Don't count out Jarrell for that future Dreamcast. Thank you so much, my friend. And this is a message from VVD. Hi, Singing Brain Podcast. I'm 16 from Seattle, Washington, and I love your podcast and Percy Jackson. It just really saved me from super dark times in my life growing up. And I just want to thank you for reintroducing this series, but with representation, LGBTQ information, and Western civilization history with current events, it's really all of my interests tied into one package. And yes, you're right, Persebeth is the greatest love story of all time. There's no argument there. But I just want to highlight that Annabeth had an entire emotional journey with the great prophecy because she thought the boy she has grown to love was going to die in a few weeks that's just so much anguish and heartbreak yet she put him first always and kept loving him that's just i need to know your thoughts on that it's so powerful and just again thank you so much for this podcast you have no idea how much it means to me and i love you both carter and erica and all your guests thank you thank you thank you Oh. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that makes all the hours of unpaid labor so worth it. <laughs> Thank you, uh, VB. I don't know if I have anything to add to that. Like, that's I, I think that's just correct. Annabeth is as much a main character. Like, Annabeth is as main as Percy is. <gasps> okay, one of our special guests has just arrived. This is so <laughs> exciting. <laughs> 
We have some other people joining us, so I'm going to wrap this up really quick, but we completely agree. Annabeth suffered. Annabeth and Luke may be one of the (laughs) main relationships in this book. I'm excited to ask our other friends about that later, and we'll take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. So introduce yourself, your name, what podcast you are from, and give us your favorite, um, like, side character in Percy Jackson. I think Intro to the Riot Inverse should start. What? Wait, I'm sorry. Why me? Because <laughs> <laughs> you were here first. All right. So, hi, my name is Robert. Uh, I have two successes in the Percy Jackson verse. Uh, one is my very great, awesome meme page at the damn meme page. And the other would be the podcast that I'm doing with my friend Hal, who can't be here, uh, Into the Riordanverse, where we look at all the other Rick Riordan books that aren't Percy Jackson. So no Percy Jackson and Olympians, no Heroes of Olympus, and no Trials of Apollo. We're currently reading the King Chronicles. Good stuff. They're very original. <laughs> Unlike some other read-along podcasts. Ooh, Ooh. shame! Those are fighting words. <laughs> It's okay. We never claim to not be basic. <laughs> All right. I'm going to toss it over to uh, Best Damn Camp, I think. Oh, it took me a second. I was like, Wait, that's, oh, they have, that's me. Um, <laughs> uh, so I am a fan of the Best Damn Camp. Not swearing. It's D-A-M because I could. I'm also one of two, maybe, British Percy Jackson podcasters um because it's not very well known here i'm lo- i'm very lonely so i'm glad to be oh <laughs> we're happy to have you here let's go on over to you know who the half foot report yeah so we are a podcast we talk about um kind of the news of the fandom what are your names <laughs> my name is diego and my co-host is samuel uh, he's the smart one. <laughs> Are we supposed to also say our, our favorite secondary character? Is that still a thing? Yes, yes, please. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah we were supposed to do that. Missed it. We'll move backwards <laughs> to Robert and Fran, but you guys go ahead. This is this is just from Percy Jackson and Heroes of Olympus, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to go first, Diego? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I really like uh, the dude with the thing on the <laughs> eye, because the other eye is not there. Ethan Nakamura? Yeah, that guy. Zuko? Um, <laughs> oh! <laughs> Prince Zuko! Heck yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, who the hell is he talking no, about? No, 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 no. Zuko's a whole nother conversation. Great. That's one vote for Ethan Nakamura. Samuel, are you ready? I think I'll just go for uh, the Stoll brothers. I think they're cool. Yeah. yeah. Strong answer. Travis and Connor? Travis yes. and Connor? Is yeah, that Travis right? and Connor. Travis and Connor. They're, they're basically the proof that Luke didn't have to be terrible. So. <laughs> That's such Whoa. a good point. Whoa. That's a good take. We'll have to circle back to Luke and that whole situation. Okay, Fran, Fran, you go next. I'm ready. Paul Blowfish. That's a solid the answer. Blowfish himself. Magnificent. Yeah, it's an honorable answer. We we stand Paul at a seaweed brain. Robert? I would also have to put a vote for Paul. I mean... Solid. Listen, he's... Okay, there's things I can't say because there's children here, but um, (laughs) Paul, when described in the books, like when he's at that part in the final battle when he's like sword fighting, I'm like, oh. Oh. Sure, yeah, yeah. When he Mm -hmm. takes the sword off the street and says, I was a Shakespearean actor in college, so I know how to do combat with the broadsword. Excellent. I know. (laughs) Right, two votes for Paul. Let's move on over to Return to Camp Half-Blood. Hello. 
who I, I guess I started speaking, so I'll I'll go first. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I am. I'm Brayden from Return to Camp Half Blood. We are a podcast that reads through the Percy Jackson series and analyzes the chapters through themes and stuff, like an English class, but more exciting. Um, <laughs> even even Neve, do you want? Oh, to do you want to say your favorite? Oh, I'll I'll say my favorite. Uh, no, you guys say yours first, so I can take a moment to decide. <laughs> Introduce yourself, so give me a second. I know Ava's, Ava's ready. Ahead. I'm completely ready. Zoe Nightshade, no question about oh, it. She is, she's the best. She, she I could talk. Been I, could been I could talk, but I won't. No, but, she's fabulous. But the question she's is, who are you? What do you mean? Oh, I'm Ava. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... I thought you were like, who do you identify with? I was like, well, well also Zoe Nightshade, but no, 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 no. I'm Ava. <laughs> Um, I suppose I'll go. I'm Neve. Um, and I think I have to say Selena Beauregard. I can't lie. A character that sticks out of my mind a lot. That is fascinating. I want to hear more about that later on. <laughs> I would love to talk about it. I, I, <laughs> cause like, I also, can, can you say her name again? Cause my name's Neve. No, 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 no. Selena's name. Cause <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. Like I always, I say Beauregard, but I don't know if that's correct. I say Beauregard too. Yeah. And I also really like Talia, but I don't know if she's considered a B character. She's pretty, pretty yeah. central. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Like, I also like Talia, but I don't really think she can be considered a secondary character. As to Diego's question, you're supposed to say but and then like cough a little and then say guard. But, but God. <laughs> <laughs> we have to ask the representative of the creator of the language, friend, how do you say it? Bureau God. That had <laughs> stuff in it. That was um it had culture. <laughs> have you thought of your favorite character? <laughs> oh yes. So I was trying to decide between two, and I was hoping that like Ava and Neve's choice would help me narrow it down because I was trying to decide between Ethan and Selena. I did it didn't really help oh. me because pe- other people have voted for both of them. I feel like they've been well represented. You know who to vote for. Can I split my vote? Can I split my vote between the two of them? That's yeah, fine. Sure. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Democracy is dead anyway. Okay. <laughs> Ranked choice voting. So that was everyone. Carter, do you have an opinion on this question? We've never talked about this. I guess we haven't talked about this. Um, I feel like people have said a lot of the answers that I would like to give. I, I feel like after this conversation, the person who I think should be brought into it is Tyson. I don't know if he counts as a B character, but like he's someone who I also like really enjoy That's and feel fair. like does not mm-hmm. get the love he deserves. But can Tyson be a B character? I feel like once you're on the cover of a book, it's like... Yeah, there's no going back. <laughs> I guess that's fair. If you're like on the quest know. team, he's, maybe. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, but Zoe, Zoe Nightshade is also on the Zoe quest team. Zoe is also on the quest so. team. Tyson was like multiple quest teams out. Hmm. On principle, I have to give Zoe my vote. <laughs> like, there's no, there's simply no other option once you introduce Zoe Nightshade. Precisely. The Thank you for getting me. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Well, that was everyone that was delightful thank you everyone for your opinions and snarky comments (laughs) i carter and i have a couple of questions for you but we're gonna start with the big one the big one that this podcast (laughs) is all about and i want to hear from everyone and i don't have an order so let that be chaotic but do you believe that persebeth is the greatest love story ever told I love Ava's just nod. <laughs> yes. The, like, the answer is yes. <laughs> a- am I meant to be honest or to not get, like, murdered tomorrow? <laughs> no, honesty. That's what we say. We need, we want your integrity, your academic opinions. I think it's a very good romantic relationship story for the genre and the time period in which it was written. But overall, looking at literature as a whole... <laughs> There are many other competitors which pose greater kind of relationships. What competitors, Diego? Yeah, Diego, please be specific. <laughs> you need evidence as, to support your as, argument. As we want your examples. To Persebeth. Um, I can't hmm. I can't really think of any examples like off the top of my head. I've got but an I example. definitely know that there is okay. like there's there's a lot of books. Um <laughs> and there is this is one book series. So I think it'd be kind of unfair to like just rule all of the books out. I want to tell Rick you said that, and then I want to call on Frank. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't consider it the best because, firstly, Frank and Hazel exist. I think they're the sweetest, and they have more of a. I know you don't like 
them for some reason, Erica. I already told Fran that we don't like Frank <laughs> Carter. And we're, we're going to have a discussion about this, folks. We will. Right? It'll come in 2021. That's <laughs> oh a problem my God. for another 2021, day. 2021, that's a year. <laughs> it's a very close year. We're almost there. <laughs> oh, don't even. <laughs> Stop can't. the ride. I want to get off. <laughs> but um, so in terms of the Percy Jackson series, I think Frank and Hazel, for me, take that higher spot just because I felt their development of a relationship was more concrete and had a better basis and their relationship as a whole was more healthier, in my opinion. From the fact that I've been going through the books recently, Battle of the Labyrinth, Percy's a bit of a dick to Annabeth and I'm not a fan and that's the basis of their relationship. Um, for other fictional couples, Period. I think Ooh. from heterosexual couple relationship, I think Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable are the better oh, yeah. relationship oh. because of the development of their relationship over the series and how they worked as a couple. I've started something and I'm now really scared. My mouth is agape at that reference. I, I have a... Diego, I swear, if you say you don't know what Kim Possible is... I don't know is. what either of those things are. I don't know why I torture myself like this. I apologize. No, that makes sense. I mean, there, there is I no guess. reason for Diego to, to know. To be fair, it's fine. I didn't know what Kim Possible was until like four months ago. I think I introduced it to you as well, Samuel, by talking about it on the Discord. From the TV show or from the horrible live action movie? There's a live action movie? We don't talk about it. Yeah, it was made oh, like a I year ago. About it's that. a mess. I feel like all of our podcasts are just like dissing of like live action movies that were made like <laughs> about like very popular fandoms. Because like whenever there's like a good fandom, the live action movie is just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> we have to stick. Need I mention Harry Potter? I don't think so. I think that that evil witch has taken up yep. enough space mm. in our lives. She, and I agree. She, 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 the Harry Potter named. movies are genuinely very good. Okay, but is the Harry <laughs> Potter fandom a good fandom? They're a lot less toxic than the Percy Jackson fandom. That That's kind of true. I would oh. say my favorite thing about the Harry Potter fandom is that it hates Harry Potter. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about the Harry Potter fandom is that it collectively came up with the books. That like it wrote the books True. together. Yes, from its collective from its collective imagination. <laughs> what a what a cool project for them to to do together and with um, <laughs> no convening body. <laughs> okay, is Percy the greatest love story ever told? Please continue. Okay, I I know I said yes, but I would like to add that I think it's tied with other things. I I I think like it definitely does take that top spot, but I do think that for the sake of Elizabeth Bennett and Mr. Darcy, like I have to like tie it with some other things. They just have to share a podium, you know? I would say personally, it's the best heterosexual romance story ever told. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> we have to pause because Fran also said this and I think that like this is a fine designation to make but we can't just stop there. Like you can't just say that and then not talk about the better non-heterosexual oh, no, I, <laughs> I, I have or sources. acknowledge that there is a queer aspect to Percy oh, and Anna. Oh, very, no, very, very, okay. very, very, very true. I will, I will amend my statement. <laughs> I will it's talk about the that. best romance story between someone who identifies as male and someone who identifies as female that I've seen. Because I was going to say it's the best romance story in YA literature that I've ever read. But I don't know if anyone's ever read the Carry On books, Carry On and Wayward Son. That's a, a, a gay couple. And then my personal best <laughs> romance story ever told is Quentin and Elliot in The Magicians, which is a TV series on sci-fi. And it's kind of sad. So I appreciate a tragic romance. I think they get their happy ending, which is nice. But I like a little. I like a little more sad, like a sprinkle of sad. One vote for sadness. <laughs> One vote for sad gay love. I love that. The Quentin and Elliot thing You're needed welcome. to be sad. Wow, that. Thank you. <laughs> this is going to come off a bit as a non-answer, but I mean, to to be fair, I'm kind of hesitant of like anytime anything is brought up as the best or like greatest of anything, really. So, I mean. Because, because again, it is all like obviously that's why you're asking our opinions, but it is very subject to opinion and personal taste. So I I can't just straight <laughs> up say that it's like the greatest, like straight up. But I will say, of the media and stories that I've consumed throughout, you know, my not very long life, I would say <laughs> it's probably like one of my favorites. Uh, I would have to really, really dig to see if it's my best, but I, I will say for now that probably 
the greatest if someone had to ask me what's the greatest love story that would be what i would name off the top of my head i love the new ways to remind the rest of us that we're old (laughs) (laughs) to be fair i probably would have said the same thing if i was you know like old like all of you but excuse me sir (laughs) good night like robert i don't think you have talked to us yet about this i i grew up with these books uh, and as I grew up and as I read more into it, I'm like, man, I hope they get together. And then they, you know, like kiss in the fourth book. I'm like, man, I hope they get together. And then, um, you know, they get together and then Heroes of Olympus ha- happens. And I agree with Fran that I think out of the Percy Jackson ships, Frank and Hazel is the best one. But then out of just any random thing. <laughs> what is that? Oh, my God. You just I got hate this, it. You just absolutely aggressive. You this is absolutely elite. This is why we don't support exceptionalism. Yes. For, for, this is why we fight the meritocracy for, and why we don't like youths. Good night. Like, gotta go. Uh, so, for everyone who's listening at home, we're messing around with our Zoom <laughs> backgrounds. Uh, I put the background for Into the Rio Universe. Diego put down the Half Cloud Report background. Samuel put down. The video of their interview with Rick Riordan. <laughs> Which, if you're not familiar with the Half-Blood Report for some reason, look them up. They do have, I believe, multiple interviews with Rick Riordan. We, we did one on the podcast. We've done YouTube videos and uh, one on the podcast. What was I saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. Persebeth, good. I think Frank and, Frank and Hazel are better. Um, it may be because I've been re-watching Doctor Who, but uh, I, I think the best ship is probably, like, the Doctor and Rose. I wouldn't say that person that's the perfect relationship. And it's not like in the quotations of like, oh, well, not any relationship is perfect. Like, there's a lot of problems with Percy and Annabeth's friendship, let alone their relationship. But I think overall, at the end of the day, they have each other's backs. They love each other. And, you know, it works. I think it's just need now. Um, <laughs> I, I really liked the comparison of like the one of the best YA relationships as someone who like read a lot of Manic Pixie Dream Girls. I think it's very good that it isn't that energy um, for a YA book. And it's definitely up there. I don't know if I can confidently say it's the greatest, but it, it's, it must be towards the top. That was an excellent answer. Thank you, Neve. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just got distracted by Fran changing her background to probably the actual greatest love story ever told, which is Korasami. <laughs> That's literally my lock screen. Why did no, wait? Why did none of us mention Korasami? Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of odd. Yeah, we're all like Avatar people. The only reason I didn't is because so many people disagree with the build up to the relationship because heteronormativity makes people dumb. Fran <laughs> <laughs> about to go on a rant right here. Don't I will. The one that I thought of actually that I didn't bring up was, uh, and I don't think anyone will know it. Not even. Um, possibly not even the queer people who are here because it's such a niche film that if anyone does firstly I will marry you (laughs) um, (laughs) it is the couple of Lucy Diamond and Amy Bradshaw from the film Debs silence great Um, (laughs) but their, their relationship was the first queer relationship that I saw in film and had one of the greatest build-ups as well. <laughs> We're going to have to look that up. I think that would have been really funny if you kept going with the, that build-up to that. And we're like, I don't know if anyone's ever seen this queer movie. Um, it's very unheard of. It's the best love story of ever time. <laughs> like, have you ever seen Call Me By Your Name? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Which, hot take, is is not that good. <laughs> Yeah, no. I have to agree. I actually think that's a really great segue um, to sort of like a second component of this question. I can't. Somebody messaged us recently, and I can't remember who it was. And I apologize if it's you and you're listening to this. But someone sent us a message that said Luke and Percy are really two sides of the same coin. They're foils to each other. They are really two halves of a whole, and we need to talk about it more. And I kind of want to know everyone's opinions on that and also how that plays into Luke and Annabeth's relationship and Percy and Annabeth's relationship slash a little nice love triangle, perhaps. I want to hear anyone who has any thoughts on that. I think that like the whole whole love triangle thing, triangle thing is kind of like, it's not really relevant or like it's not really a, a thing 
because Luke comes in at a point where Annabeth has just run away and is being chased down and is like at this point, what, six years old. And this person also saves her from her current situation, right? And then this is more of like a liking somebody who you know, like you're not going to be really involved with romantically and more just like somebody who you like because they've done something for you or because you're like young at that point. So I don't really think like it's appropriate. I do think what is interesting about it is when Luke starts to become worse and worse, how Annabeth is reluctant to let go of the fact that it's this person who she sees as pretty perfect, right? Um, And somebody who she admires, right? Because it's more admiration and less like smoochy smoochy than like maybe her attraction to Percy. But I think that the the really interesting part is as as this kind of like relationship starts getting tugged at from both ends, this is referring to Annabeth and Luke, how both of them are kind of reluctant to let that go, even though they know that Mm -hmm. it's not really going to turn out to be anything, but it's kind of just always been there. Yeah, I would like to say that the the term we'll be using from now on (laughs) in this episode is smoochy smoochy (laughs) for any... (laughs) (laughs) I agree. You know, I think that we something that we can pull out of that is like, I think you maybe were touching upon like, it is like a bit of an edible, an Electra in this circumstance, like complexy thing where it, it happened when she was so young that it confused the heck out of her because this was somebody who did nice things for her that she relied on. Come that last moment in The Last Olympian, the smoochy smoochy may not be on either of their minds, but rather like this like strange codependent thing where like they were the only ones that loved each other for so long that it's really hard to let go of, let go of that. Was was that on purpose or was that like just an accidental choke caused by like completely other like That was my saliva, events? but please consider it to be my emotion. <laughs> I mean, I just want to say, I don't think Luke was thinking about Smoochy Smoochy um, at the end because like he got stabbed. <laughs> and also he was like 24 and she was like 16. Too. Men suck. Let's so just he might have been sucks. thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess I'll go next since I started talking. <laughs> so first, like the first part about like Luke and Percy being a part of like two sides of the same coin. When I think about Percy and Luke, I think about the um, the rhetoric that the Joker gives to Batman all the time. The whole one bad day thing. For Percy, he's had many troubling aspects in his life. Uh, many monster battles. Lost some people that he, that, some of his loved ones. But he never let it affect him to a point that he was like vengeful and hurt and uh like intended to overthrow everything like he just wanted to pretty much be batman you know try and fix what's wrong while keeping everything you know sort of the same meanwhile luke is sort of the joker who's trying to spread anarchy and chaos to get his goals which i mean much like the joker they kind of just don't make sense then in terms of percy to annabeth and luke to annabeth uh, i agree with diego a lot of how I guess how it was written because Annabeth was so young and impressionable when she first met Luke that it would sort of make sense for her to develop a crush on him. And then when he leaves, like when it's revealed that he's evil, she's up until almost the very last moment, she doesn't believe he's evil. She believes that he has some sort of redemption that he can be saved. And I mean, I guess if you count getting stabbed <laughs> as being saved, then yeah, he can. <laughs> Whereas with Percy, like the first moment she met Percy, he was this like powerful feeling kind of demigod who just took down a minotaur. And the first thing she said to him was, you drooling your sleep. All in all, like Annabeth is like, my powerful boyfriend is also very, very stupid. Yeah. I think that like the idea that uh, Annabeth kind of, throughout their his her entire relationship with Percy is kind of subconsciously comparing him to Luke is yeah. you know definitely there in the text especially like we talked about this on our last episode and we talked about it earlier but Carter and I have discussed the moment at the end of the last Olympian when Luke asks Annabeth <laughs> if he loves her and Annabeth looks at Percy and Percy's di- like monologue says it was as if she was taking in that I was still here and then after like realizing that like Percy is the alive one and Luke is dying she turns back to Luke <laughs> and goes I never loved you no what are you talking about it's Percy for me like it's pretty pretty. <laughs> the savagery. I think we're having like two conversations here at the same time almost. So I, I have comments on both of them. First off, I think that Percy and Luke are both almost 
ideological crushes, like literary wise, a lot of me reading these books, I'm like, these are th- these books are about Annabeth, not about Percy. And they both represent ideologies that Annabeth has and her choice and grappling between them. And the choices she makes in these books are inspired by like going along with those ideologies on one side or betraying them. And like what's interesting is we see both like Percy become more radical and Luke become less radical in the kind of way that Percy's fighting to uphold this almost like conservative system of the gods and Luke is fighting to abolish it. Mm -hmm. But then we watch Mm -hmm. Percy like see the things that are wrong with it and want to change them. And we see at the end, Luke realize the flaws in his tactics. And a lot of that reflects on how Annabeth is grappling with being in the middle of those two things and watching them come closer and further away from each other. That's kind of crazy. You just did you just say that like Percy and Luke kind of like grow towards one another? That's really cool. And then <laughs> Luke dies and then we're left with Percy and this like amalgamation of the two of them. That's really, and really also, cool. Also, my other point that I was thinking about is that Luke is what Percy could have become without Sally. I think you really have to look at yes. the co- the comparison in their upbringing and I didn't say Sally Jackson was my favorite uh, B-tier character because I don't think she's a B-tier character. She is definitely a main character. But yeah. I love her so much. And and you can't forget about all of the philosophy and ideals that she has instilled in her son. Um, because And we see that Luke really... like He has a really traumatic backstory. And the absence of that love and that upbringing really <laughs> tears him apart. And... <laughs> So you just have to like give a lot of credit to Sally for being such a good support system for Percy because they both feel very similar ways about their parents and about the gods. But Percy has that anchor to the mortal world that I think keeps him in check. Yes, definitely. 100%. Absolutely. I agree with that. I think that kind of builds off with that as well is the dynamic between Luke and Percy to do with their relationships also like... Luke doesn't seem to have any form of even friend support system, whereas Percy is able to make friends with pretty much everyone, except for the people he pisses off. <laughs> um, he, he does, he makes friends with so many people, and it's it's amazing that he has that, and he has this ability to then be loyal to his friends. Whereas Luke, he's given this huge, like, standing, like he's the leader of the Hermes cabin, but we don't see him have any actual friends. He's a leader but he's alone. So without having that support system, that leads to him further falling down. Like, he has Annabeth, but even then, we don't see them interact that much whilst at camp in the first book, whilst he's still there. So they've had this separation because he feels so alone that he has this responsibility and yet has nothing at the same time. Whereas Percy has, like like you said, Brayden, he's got his mum, but he's also got his friends and he's got his loyalty to those in his life. I realise I sounded suddenly really posh whilst I was talking. I heard you say mom. We value you, Fran, for more than just your beautiful accent. (laughs) Also, just like adding into the Percy and Luke being very similar, thinking back on the first book, Luke is almost trying, like Luke senses that he's very similar to Percy in that he's disillusioned by the god like there are multiple times in the first book where percy is like why are we doing this like why did they send us out to do this and there are multiple moments in the first book where luke is being very kind and like an older brother figure to percy as if uh like what he did with annabeth to almost groom him into joining his side you know he senses a person who could be radicalized in the same way that luke was and then percy's like no i don't really want to do that and then he's like okay cool have a scorpion um <laughs> but like there are moments one like that comes to mind is they call the camp through iris message and he talks to luke for a really long time and luke is like listen a lot's riding on you like riding on you succeeding in this and then once you know the whole ulterior motive of the first book you're like a lot was riding on him for Luke, but in a different way. And he thought that this whole experience would make Percy want to join his side. And then it doesn't work due to all the reasons that you all just talked about, like his support system and morals that have helped him out along the way. But yeah, it's definitely, they're definitely two sides of the same coin and very, very similar yeah. characters. I think for Annabeth, she feels this like somewhat toxic attraction to authority figures. 
And like she definitely mistakes that for love. Oh a my god. Lot. Oh my god, help me. More on that. More on that. Oh Keep going. I mean, well, no, I mean, that's my foundation statement for that. But <laughs> I feel like for Percy, it's like she's not used to having a relationship with a man that is just gentle and real and a friendship first and who like someone who actually cares for her um and so I feel like that's why it takes her so long to be like oh is this what non-toxic romantic attraction is is this what you know is this what it's supposed to be um absolutely yes yeah so that's that's essentially it I'm Luke is an example of the first kind where she's just like okay he takes charge i need a figure like that in my life i appreciate his bravery and also like wow you know um but then for percy it's just like oh like i really feel like he is my equal you know if that makes sense and i feel like that is the key thing in relationships at least for me like consuming media i'm like i look for relationships where if it's regardless where the two people view each other completely as equals like I think about much ado about nothing and I think about Beatrice and Benedict period yeah and I'm like they're the blueprint they're the blueprint my favorite Shakespearean couple yes thank you me too oh my god (laughs) amazing so I feel like that's where the health is as opposed to like her sort of like toxic draw to authority Ava everything you just said just hit me in a deep personal Thank you so much. I love that. I love, love, love all of that. Anyone else have anything on that before we segue to the final component of the rhombus of Persebeth? Yes, Samuel. So I feel weird going last because I'm disagreeing with everyone. (laughs) Good. Let's hear it. We want to hear it. So I looked looked this up because I had time to prep while you were all talking. And I was like, oh, so this if you say that two things are two sides of the same coin, you mean that they are different ways of looking at or dealing with the same situation. So I can see how that still might make them two sides of the same coin, but I actually think that they're kind of not because as we start the series, Percy doesn't even kind of realize these problems with the gods to the full extent that Luke does. He, I'm not even sure he realizes the all the issues You know, by the time we get through the first couple books and as even as we go through the series percy's main objective is to stop luke he's a nice person and he helps the people who have been affected by these problems but he never talks about like oh i'm going to you know use my wish to make sure that gods fix their problems it's almost a spur of the moment thing in the last olympian when he chooses to revoke immortality in exchange for fixing the problems that Luke disagreed with. So in the way that Percy never really had an approach to fixing the problem and the way that Luke did, even if Luke's was flawed, he at least had an idea for how to fix it. Percy just knew that Luke was wrong. He didn't really have anything to do until the very end. And he was like, oh yeah, I have this, you know, free card that fixes everything. But, you know, as for what you're all saying about Annabeth, I have to pretty much agree there. I, I don't have much to add when it comes to uh, that love triangle. Yes, yes, totally. I, I did want to mention something. Uh, somebody said that due to Percy's kind of like support circle and stuff, he didn't turn to the dark side. Um, but I'd like to point out that there is a single event that could have uh, turned him to the dark side, like snap of the fingers. And that is uh, if he had actually left there without his mother um because that that is that is in a sense what he did and what he chose to do and the fact that rick has to be like oh wow she's safe yay everything's happy ending right like he kind of had to do that in a sense to like get a second book because we all know like had that decision actually been permanent and had the consequences that uh that other things like as rick's books go on uh, things start to have more permanent consequences. While in the first few books, it does feel a bit more like Marvel-y, where it's kind of yeah. like evil bad guy. Oh wait, he's gone. Everything fine. Like Tyson not actually blowing up in the sea of monsters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and 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 having having all these kind of things where it's kind of like it's not really lost. Like Percy, at no point does Percy actually feel like he's lost his mother. Like at no point does he does it actually sink into him that he's gonna mm-hmm. go home. And there will not be anyone there to give him a hug. 
I guess mm-hmm. at that point, Rick didn't realize like the effect his writing would have and how far it would go and how deep it would get in the future. So he couldn't have made those decisions beforehand. <laughs> but had he actually thought about it, we would have seen a much more sad Percy at the fact that he has just abandoned his mom uh, at her at her request to save his brand new friends that he has just met in order to save this broken system that has just sent him out on a random quest, right? And then Luke, the one person who's actually been nice to him, tells him, like, hey, this kind of sucks, right? And he would totally jump on that boat. He would 100% (laughs) be there, and Olympus would have fallen. Like, 110%. Because nothing is permanent in those first few books. And I feel like that totally takes away from the potential of the story. The books overall are still good. But they (laughs) had the opportunity to be much, much better. Wait, are you saying Percy Jackson would have been better if he had been evil and joined Luke? (laughs) Evil Percy Jackson. It would have been better if the consequences would have been permanent. Although it would be a completely different story. Right. I mean, listen. Evil Percy Jackson would mean he doesn't get with Annabeth, and Annabeth goes with the next person who I think she should have been with, Piper. <gasps> Ooh. Period, period. Cat. Cat. I'm a fan. That's, 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 that's pretty All I'm radical. saying, and, 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 and Erica pointed this about, uh, out back to me again, Charm Speak only works on people who are, you, who are attracted to you, and it works on Annabeth every time. <gasps> <laughs> One of our listeners sent that into us, and and I have not stopped thinking about it since that day that I read that message. Yes. I don't think I'll ever stop thinking about it now. I'm really excited. Like one of the things we're gonna have to do as we go through Heroes of Olympus is keep meticulous track of every time uh, Charm Speak does work on Annabeth, and we will analyze every one of those circumstances. Um, <laughs> so we have one more question. Um, as I said, yes. to complete the rhombus, if you will, <laughs> that is the Percybeth relationship. Go ahead, Carter. As much as we as much as we hate to to endorse the the idea that famed critical gender scholar Rachel Bloom has told us is, you know, a product of of heteropatriarchy, um, you know, the love triangle, I don't know. It's it's sort of like a useful way for us to talk about this for now. It, anyway, uh, like the, the 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 last person that we probably should bring into this is is Rachel Elizabeth Dare. The one and the only slow nods that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> we understand. <laughs> So like like we we've already highlighted a lot of the, the ways in which like you know like there, there are ways that it makes sense to compare Luke and Percy even though of course like Luke is an older person and we should view that as fundamentally something that should never have any potential for a meaningful relationship because it would be predatory and it would be wrong and we just want to very clear I think that you know, like Ava did like 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 pretty clearly said this and we just want to make sure we're extra explicit and like directive about this do not have a relationship with someone who is basically your parent and met you when you were seven years old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but on the other hand, Rachel Elizabeth Dare is someone who, you know, like she is the same age as these other people. She's, you know, like an, in many ways an upstanding citizen. She's someone who like could be in a relationship with Percy. And I think, was you know, on paper, all of us would have to say that like... Was. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> frankly, um, already already digging with the bias already. But we just wanted to turn this over to people and ask, like, how how did you feel about that? Do you think that that was like a possibility that like should have been explored further? Mm-hmm. Was explored too much? So, I mean, Rachel is awesome. Uh, here's here's the thing. Okay, I feel like Rachel would be much better for Percy than Annabeth would, but. I think Percy would not be good for Rachel. Um, and I, that's, that's just like, I, this is the hottest take I have ever heard. The hottest take. It's so floored. Me too. I feel like Rachel can be generally just a nicer person than Annabeth. And I, I just think wow. that would, oh, oh that my. would, I, I'm not saying Annabeth isn't a nice person, but I feel like she's much more like self-serving but in many ways. I'm, I'm oh saying, the men of tomorrow. I think that Percy would definitely not be good for Rachel. I think she has a lot of dreams that she would accomplish and Percy wants to accomplish. And Percy would be like, yeah, help me with my new quest, please. And that would not be good. So 
I, I, I like how it turned out. There were portions of that, that that I really enjoyed, and there were portions of that that will need to make me immediately hop off of this onto a call with a therapist. But, um, <laughs> so, Same. I'm about to hit up the therapist. Uh, I have. Oh, uh, so funny. Um, yeah, I I kind of want to uh, agree with Samuel uh, in in many senses there. That I I definitely think that that the way the books were written and the way that the characters were introduced, it definitely had to be Rachel and Percy before it was Percy and Annabeth. I think personally, I like Rachel more just because she she is a, we don't know much about her, but from the moments that we do see with her, she's just like a very nice person to like a lot of the people around her. And she sacrifices a lot of things like for herself and she sacrifices ideas and maybe like paths that she might have taken in an alternate world in order to help Percy and not just Percy in order to just help society overall the mortals as well and different people whereas I feel as though Annabeth is a lot more manipulative in a sense that she does not go on the quest with Percy to help Percy. She goes on the quest with Percy because, and she's very much like manipulating him into asking her to come on the quest with him, right? Some may call that manipulative. Some may call it strategic. I agree. It is also strategic. But I definitely feel as though as though the way that she goes about it definitely feels a lot more like subterfugey, um, as opposed to like just. We could straight say up... the same thing about Percy and Titan's Curse, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, uh, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. but Percy is dumb in Titan's um, Curse. Double standard. He's super dumb in general. <laughs> <laughs> really I agree. Wait, I do think we need to pause with this though. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. So Annabeth is definitely ambitious and she does want to go on the quest. But like the reason why she wants to go on the quest is like, I would argue that she's trying to take her place within like the order of people who are trying to do things for the world, right? Like she is, her personal ambitions are tied to like altruistic ambitions, I feel. Similarly to Samuel's answer, that part of that destroyed wow. me forever and I need to go take a cold bath. And, we, we, and part crazy. of it makes a lot of sense. The Half-Blood Report boys are coming in with the hottest takes. <laughs> I think overall, it definitely had to be Percy and Annabeth just because that's how the story was written. That's how the story worked. That's what had to happen in the end. I definitely think the whole Rachel and Percy thing could have totally happened like one book earlier or the timeline could have been shifted so that it actually made sense. And so that we actually had like at least the greater part of a book with a Percy-Rachel relationship just so that that kind of was like fully explored. I I know like the whole Percy and Annabeth at the end thing was like, it was was scripted since the first book, but I do feel that kind of flip was very rushed. It's it's very strange to talk about relationships when it's a very like author done thing, something that has to happen, like whether or not it's good or whether or not it's bad just happened to be good the way that they did it. And it kind of feels awkward because if you look at it from the book being like a uh, a real story right it makes sense but when you think of it being a book it kind of makes it less of a good relationship just because it was something that was um that was planned before the fact so you feel like because rick was like it's gonna be percy and annabeth that it took away some of the legitimacy of it yeah yeah the authenticity yeah. And, yes yes that's interesting. That's what I feel. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And like, this is just my take. And from like what I remember reading the books, I haven't like just in the initial series, I kind of only ever saw her as something to advance Percy and Annabeth's relationship because that's all she in the initial series. She takes on a whole different life in Heroes of Olympus. But in the right. initial series, her primary focus, like, and her primary reason to be there, is. For mm-hmm. Percy to realize that, like, Percy's kind of realized she had that he has a crush on Annabeth by, like, I remember one mm-hmm. moment in Sea of Monsters we were talking about, like, oh, like, I don't have a crush on this girl, but, like, I keep a picture of her in my folder while I'm at school. <laughs> like, yes. you know, yes. so, like, that is such a good yeah. moment. So, like, Percy's kind of knows it, but Annabeth, like, hasn't. And Annabeth's jealousy towards Rachel, I feel like, is what makes her realize that she is in love with Percy. And I've only ever saw Rachel as, like, because she's only there for that, and then she's, like, you're all a distraction. I'm becoming the Oracle. And like, and it's not to say I don't like her. I like Rachel. She's cool. She's very ambitious. But like, she clearly was 
put into the book for that reason because she has a very different mm-hmm. life and like trajectory on her own that is like separate from the story of uh that group of friends in my opinion and i think she only comes in as a like a reason for them to realize they're in love with each other yes we also have this element of the fact that in a sense just going from um i can't i think it was you diego who mentioned it the sort of minute the manipulative nature of annabeth in the first book rachel herself has a little bit of a manipulative nature because she's using percy to figure out about her visions which leads to her becoming the oracle so she is using him to figure out what's going on in her own life just with the possibility in her mind she's like oh maybe there's also meant to be a romantic element Mm -hmm. here whereas actually it's just that she's meant to be a (laughs) forever as host for the gods (laughs) (laughs) i realize i worded that really poorly i'm sorry (laughs) but there's a really interesting dynamic with rachel as a whole which Maybe it's just because I'm gay, but the idea of her and Annabeth... The amount of times that has been said as a preface to comments on this podcast, all the time our guests come on and go, maybe it's just because I'm gay, but... No, literally, my attachment to Zoe Nightshade, like, oh, like, it makes sense. (laughs) Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Please go ahead. Don't worry about it. But there's something about it that just, like, when I was rereading it, I didn't mention it in my podcast, I was like, I already talk about myself being gay enough, I don't need to bring it up more. gay? But like <laughs> the the jealousy element that Annabeth has towards Rachel, and in my head, I was like, "That was me as a baby gay." I was like really jealous of the guys in my friends' relationship because I was like, "Oh wait, no, that's how I saw it." When I read through it again, of like that jealousy element of Annabeth being frustrated that Percy is drawn to this girl and this girl is drawn to Percy. She's like, "I want her attention drawn to me too." So that's kind of like, and especially their relationship later on in Heroes of Olympus. They are so close in Heroes of Olympus, whereas Percy and Rachel no longer are, which is a little bit interesting <laughs> to me. But that, again, that's probably just because I'm gay. <laughs> there's really any, there's, I don't think there's enough evidence for this. Well, also, Percy and Rachel share like two scenes in the series so yeah no, that, that was that was I great think also annabeth interacts with rachel more they have more common interests it makes more sense yeah like they're both ambitious they're both creative <laughs> that's why i would like to refer to it as the love rhombus that goes in all directions of this thing we called Persebeth, which is actually persaluca beth rachel <laughs> oh wow nice true and then it gets Thanks. more complicated <laughs> I, I, I want to type Damn. that out just to see what that would be like. <laughs> the Piper element. <laughs> I say Piper, Piper Jason. Element. Piper's in the middle. Piper is in the middle. <laughs> maybe, so maybe some Reyna in there. And it's a lot. And why it is does. everyone in love it with does. Percy Jackson? Why are we all in love? <laughs> but let's be real. Why are we all in love with Percy Jackson? <laughs> I was going to say, we analyze ourselves. Bro, I wish I knew. <laughs> Why are we? <laughs> I just, I just want to say, it's not about why we're in love with Percy Jackson. It's that Percy Jackson needs to realize he's pretty much fallen in love with everyone he's ever met. He just, he's a little too like not That's okay accurate. with admitting that to himself. Chaotic bisexual simp. That's what. Yes. The title we have for him. Yes. We all knew it. I'm just saying he's <laughs> a he's a bi guy with a preference for athletic blondes. I'm pretty sure if, he, if like Luke wasn't evil and they took the five minutes to talk and build a relationship, he'd be like, oh, I'm gay. <laughs> I was waiting for us to bring this up on the other half of it, but obviously, like, we don't want to be endorsing this. Percy and Luke should also not be in a relationship because Percy is younger than Annabeth by a little bit, but... Oh, yeah. But, 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 you know, he was also discovering himself at the same years. He was also spending a lot of his time thinking about this distant, hot person. Luke ambushed. Luke was obsessed with Percy. Let's be clear. He followed him everywhere. He knew where he was at all times. That's very accurate. He could have put more energy into Nico or Talia at any point, but it was always... See, so why is this okay and not okay for me to talk about Ang and Zuko? Stop! That's... No! Never mind. <laughs> no, Talia would have been an easier target. Because A, like, Luke and Talia are, like, very close already. And then B, Talia was a tree for years because she... Like, it would have been so much easier to convert her. But he doesn't because he's obsessed with her. Wow. Well, you know what? <laughs> If I wait, go ahead. Can I tie it back to Rachel for please, one go second? Ahead. Please, okay. please. I think one of the reasons 
I never really liked Rachel, but one of the reasons why I think I never did is because I was like, okay, it's contradicting like her relationship, pseudo relationship with Percy is what I don't like in terms of like a woman being attracted to a man in our society. Like she is attracted to him in a similar way that Annabeth feels something for Luke. Like it's kind of like, I I really think it's like they, like Annabeth and Percy started sort of at the same level. They grew together, whatever. They were equals and friends first. And then Rachel's like, wow, like accomplished, interesting boy who has done a lot. And I feel this pull towards him Yep. and stuff like that. And I'm like, but that doesn't, I don't know. I never liked it. I, I, I see a parallel there with the way they look at each other. Yes. Definitely. It's very similar to like the mortal instruments thing, finding the eccentric, cool person from a magical place and then falling in love with them because they're representative <laughs> of that magical place. And I don't know why mortal instruments was my reference for that, but I think it's because redhead and <laughs> toxic relationships makes me think of Cassandra Clare. <laughs> I think, it does, yeah. I think that's a very important point, though. And I think it does, like, cut both ways, too. And that, like, Percy, like, a part of his attraction to Rachel is that she's, like, naive in comparison, right? And that you get, like, elements of this whole, like, man looking for, like, the sexy little baby, like, type yeah. of thing where he's like, let me show you this world that I know all these things about. And, like, it's so cool that you're so impressed with me and you're, like, a nice, cool girl who's just, like, easy to be around. Yeah. We've rehashed this a lot on our end. I don't think I need to talk more about my personal um, traumas with reading and i'm really excited to experience rachel as we've said carter and i've said in her glow up in her true development as a female character in rick's development (laughs) as a writer of female characters in (laughs) heroes of olympus i think that's i think that was a good segue to the end i think <laughs> like a, that feels like as good of a bow as we're gonna tie on this conversation. <laughs> that was good. Um, that was good. That well, was very good. Thank you guys, literally so so much. We lost half load report a few minutes ago because they had to go to bed. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> it's five p.m. It's five p.m. That was so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing. That was absolutely fantastic. Please leave. Thank that you guys <laughs> all, like literally so 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 much. Is I feel like this is the gateway to having you guys on like a lot now so get excited yes. to be asked on oh for God, please. heroes of olympus yeah I, I have i have so many takes for mark of athena yeah robert please. has already signed <laughs> up for several episodes for the mark of athena <laughs> <laughs> bye bye bye, bye. bye. bye.